Dash podcast with Pastor Rick Hill, Senior Pastor of Grace Community Church in Rawls, New Mexico. I'm Marie Manning. What an honor it is to have you join us today. Our goal at Living Your Dash is to better help you connect the dots of discipleship so that you can find and fulfill God's purpose for your life. Let's join Rick and Sean with this week's podcast. Thank you, Marie, for that great introduction, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us. You know, it means so much to us that you find this podcast important enough to listen to us. So whether you're from Ireland or Germany, Switzerland or Singapore, the Philippines or Panama, Spain or Sweden, South Africa or Norway or Russia or Australia or Canada, Australia, and yes, Listeners, you're from all those countries. We just consider ourselves blessed by your participation. Now, we have our 100th episode coming up, and we'd love to hear from you. So please let us know who you are by clicking on the Living Your Dash link in the description and telling us about yourself and maybe leaving us a story of how this podcast helps you. So, hey, Rick, any thoughts about the 100 episodes? Well, one question, Sean, as you read that list of nations who regularly uh, plug into us and uh-huh. listen, uh, I'm a little concerned America is not on your list. Is there anybody out there in America listening to Living Your Dash, Sean? Ah, probably not, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the one country I didn't mention. Let's add America. <laughs> well, to answer your question, yeah, it's very humbling, Sean, very humbling, but it's also very rewarding for me just to have loyal listeners from literally around the world. Yeah. And there's one thing I know about them, Sean, they, they love the Word of God. Yes. And, or they wouldn't be listening to the Living Your Dash podcast. So very, very rewarding to have that many people all over the pe- all over the world saying, yeah, I just want to tap into the Word of God, d- dig a little deeper yeah. into Scripture. Yeah. I, it, I will never see all those countries uh, in my lifetime, and uh, I. Uh, but I, it's wonderful just to know that whether you're a, a Christ follower or not, uh, it, it's just wonderful for us to uh, to touch base with them like this. Wouldn't it be great someday we could have a reunion in heaven? We could oh. have the Living Your Dash podcast reunion weekend in heaven. I'll set it up. Hey, I'll set it up. You're in charge. <laughs> and I have no doubt that you could pull it off. Right? <laughs> All right, now, Rick, what, what do you think about, you know, as, as we're approaching our 100th episode, and, you know, season three starts September 15th. Can you believe that? That's true. Um, three years of this. Rick, what do you think about, I don't know, something special to give back? I was, I was thinking maybe like a, you know, a glossy black and white picture of me or maybe a new car or something, you know, uh, funded by you, of course. Well, I, actually, when you mentioned the car, I thought, how about your car? Oh, <laughs> You like a 2002 Ford uh, F-150? Hey, let me tell you something we could do. How about a free digital copy of Living Your Dash? Oh, we can do that. Yes. All right. How do, how do people get a free copy? Okay. Well, the simplest way is I will include a link to livingyourdash.info, and that, that'll tell you a little bit more about the book, but also it'll have a link for you to be able to download a digital copy yourself for free. Absolutely. Now, if people want a hard copy, they can always get it through Amazon, Mm -hmm. but we want to make it available free in the digital world. It's pretty exciting. Rick, not not everyone, they... They, people talk about writing a book, but you actually did it. And uh, I think congratulations to you and starting this podcast. So, Hey, now one other thing. I, I do not want to send a glossy black and white of you, nothing personal, Sean. 
But you know, I thought it would be fun. A lot of people may not know what we look like. It's true. Can we put a photo of you and me yeah. here in our studio recording the podcast? Yeah, we can do that. Let's we can do, do that. That'd uh, be fun. What I'll do is I'll direct them to the Living Your Dash dot info, uh, and uh, they'll they'll see it. I'll I'll put the link in there. That way, they'll know how good looking we are. Yes. Not only intelligent, but good looking. Yes, yes, yes. Good idea. <laughs> good idea. All right, well, let's get down to why we're all really here. Uh, As you probably know, Rick has been teaching on the parables, and this week's focus was on the parable of the two debtors. Now, if you haven't listened to Rick's message, please check it out in the link in the description. But Rick, can you first just give us a quick thumbnail of the parable? Well, to understand this parable, it's absolutely essential that you understand the setting. Ah, And it it was a real live event. the setting is actually an, an awkward moment at an invitation-only dinner party. It was being held at a home of a Pharisee, a guy by the name of Simon. He'd mm-hmm. invited Jesus to come into his home for a dinner party. Yes. Well, out of nowhere, this sinful woman from the town shows up, apparently had a pretty uh, tacky reputation as yeah. a sinful woman, probably a prostitute mm-hmm. in that culture. She, she is obviously an uninvited guest, but shows up, and suddenly she's standing behind Jesus, who is reclining at the table. She begins weeping. Her tears are falling on Jesus' feet, hmm. maybe in a moment of embarrassment. I don't know. Yeah. She kneels down. She begins to wipe the tears off of his feet with her hair, yeah. and for some reason, Sean, is just moved with compassion she begins to kiss his feet and then pours perfume on her feet. That's the setting. Simon doesn't say a word to anyone, but he says something to himself. How mm. embarrassing this is yeah. that Jesus would allow a sinful woman with this kind of reputation to, uh, to touch him and to, and to do these acts. Yeah. It's, that's the setting where Jesus then tells Simon... And the parable is directed to Simon. The the language in the parable all the way through is very interesting. Jesus tells Simon this parable of two debtors. One has a large debt, one has a small debt, but the moneylender forgives them both because neither has the means to pay. Mm -hmm. And and the, the moral of the story is Jesus says to Simon, of which will love the moneylender more? And Simon answers correctly. He says, well, the one who has been forgiven much. Yeah. And that's kind of the heart of the parable. Yeah. I, you know, I, I when I think about that picture, this woman that, that's overcome by emotion, um, and uh, what, what's that word when something lacks decorum and, and dignity, an undignified way? Yeah. You know, she comes in. I, 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 I wonder if she even meant to have this ugly cry. Over, over Jesus. Uh, she just meant to just maybe present this gift of, of perfume to him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, what an awkward scene this must have been for, uh, for Simon. Um, and, you know, when I think about this parable, the parable of the two debtors, I'm thinking, oh, you know, this isn't really about a focus of uh, about two fictitious people. It's really about two real people. Um, one is Simon the Pharisee, and this sinful woman, which I've, I've heard might be Mary of Magdala. Um, am I off here? 
No, you're exactly right. And there's Jesus leaves no doubt about it because after he tells the parable, he turns it on to Simon. Yeah. And he says, okay, Simon. And it's very interesting, again, the wording. said, he looked, Jesus looked at the woman and said to Simon. Mm. So there's eye contact between Jesus and this woman. Just I believe it's Jesus showing his love and his acceptance of this mm. woman and affirmation of this woman. So he looks at the woman, but he says to Simon, you know, Simon, uh, when I came in, you didn't give me the customary greeting of a kiss. Uh, you didn't give me the customary water to wash my own feet. Yeah. And yet this woman did what you did not do. Yeah. So, yeah. It, and it, even it's more. Got, oh, and it's got to be a very embarrassing confrontation that Jesus, right in front of all of his guests, whoever was at this dinner party, yeah. he turns the parable on Simon and says, Simon, uh, in the parable, you're the bad guy. Yeah. In the parable, <laughs> this sinful woman is the is the good guy. Is the good guy. Yeah. 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 It, 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 it just floors me of, you know, who truly is the undignified person here? Who truly is the one with the issue? Um, you know, but on the other hand, it's like, um, it's, I love how Luke tells a story. It, it seems like Jesus is giving us, um, he's, he's giving kind of an unprecedented access. I, I don't know too many other people that he's done this with. The only the only other Pharisee that I can actually remember right now is maybe Nicodemus. Um, there, and there isn't much backstory here at all, you know. But Rick, I'm just kind of curious. How do you imagine that they might have met? I mean, do you think that Simon was trying to find a kink in Jesus' armor? Uh, or do you think he was earnest and curious about Jesus? Yeah, I put him in the earnest category, like Nicodemus. Sometimes we make a mistake of putting all the Pharisees in the same bucket. Uh-huh. And we, we say, oh, every Pharisee was just like this. Yeah. Not true. Not yeah. true. Some were uh, sincere believers. Yes. Uh, uh, follow, wanting to know more. Nicodemus being a great example. Mm-hmm. You'll notice at the beginning of this story, uh, there's no mention of, of Simon trying to trick Jesus. It's not a setup to catch him in some fine tune, fine point of the law. Yeah. Where other parables we have already noted, uh, they were trying to do that. They were trying to trick Jesus. No mention of that at all. I believe he, like Nicodemus, was sincerely wanting to hear this new teacher. Yeah. And he was wanting to, to check him out to see, you know, is, is he... Is he delivering a true message from God that we need to hear? Yeah, yeah. I I think that, of course, Jesus is being a true friend to Simon. The, the Proverbs say that, that, that uh, the wounds of a friend can be trusted, that when the Lord gives us discipline, it's for our good. He's treating us like sons. And, uh, I, and I, boy, I sure hope that Simon was able to say, oh, Lord, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Wouldn't you love to know the rest of the story? Oh, on I this sure one? would. I sure would. Um, now, in in comparison of the two debtors, the difference in the amount of the debt was huge. Was huge. Um, but you made a very simple and important observation. It didn't matter because neither of them could pay. So, what is why is that significant to realize? When you realize that the Bible is very clear that we are all spiritually dead because of our sin. No one is excluded. Everyone is spiritually dead because of sin. Sean, dead is dead. Right. What a great analogy because there are no degrees of death. 
Yeah. So spiritual death means spiritual death. Yeah. We all stand equally in need of a Savior. Uh, we all need to be rescued. Let me, let me use a very contemporary example. Right now, things are in, in dire straits in Afghanistan. Oh, We're yeah. trying to get Americans out. We're trying to get all the the interpreters, uh, the, the, um, the Afghan partners with... Uh, with uh, America, we're yes. trying to get them out, but many are stranded. Yeah. We we might as well say it behind enemy lines. Yeah, and they cannot get to the airport. Um, now, see, it would be ridiculous for us to say, "Well, to which degree are you stranded?" You know. Yeah. Uh, stranded is stranded. That's right. And they all need to be rescued. So it would be ridiculous to say. Well, I, I was an Afghan interpreter for eight years, and you were only an interpreter for four years. Therefore, I'm more stranded than you. No. Right. Stranded is stranded. Spiritually yeah. dead is dead. We all equally, without any doubt, need a Savior to rescue us. Right. And, of course, that's what Simon needed to understand. Um, and it is obviously something that the, the sinful woman did Understand? She yeah. got it. Well, there, there was the problem is Simon fell into the trap of comparison. He said, well, yeah, you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not like this woman. Yeah. And the minute you start comparing yourself with others, you, you will fall into the trap of making yourself feel better by comparing yourself to someone that you deem in greater need of forgiveness and grace. You even had a kind of a trick question in the message, didn't you? Well, yeah, at the end. And, uh, I, I think it caught a few people. You know, At the very end, I said, I want you to take about five seconds, and I want you to think of three people who need forgiveness more than you. And, that was sneaky. See, and, but don't you, it should, immediately you begin to think of three people who are, quote, unquote, worse Real. than you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you, it's, we, uh, there's that human nature that we want to compare ourselves but we're very selective with whom we compare ourselves. Yeah. And there's the problem. Yeah, because I thought of five people just in, the, <laughs> just in that auditorium. Yeah, that was probably one of them. <laughs> uh, no, but this, this really is a great example of the grace of God. You said God gives us grace because it's impossible for us to make proper amends. This, this really is a key realization that all of us need to have, isn't it? I mean, that, that, that sinful human beings, we don't have the capacity for self-rescue or self-redemption. Yeah, Sean, we should be able, as intelligent human beings, to figure this out. We should realize that our dire circumstances are so bad, it took God sending His own Son, mm -hmm. His only begotten Son, the Bible says, to, to rescue us. In other words, if our condition was not that big a deal, He would have sent an angel. He would have come up with something else. Yeah. But just the fact that it took God the Son to fix the problem, mm -hmm. that tells me we had a major problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think about how the Lord used Abram uh, and, uh, and Isaac uh, just to give us a, a, a quick picture of this is what it's going to take. This is what it's going to take. What a, what a beautiful mystery. You know, Rick, I, I hear what you're saying about um, our inability to self-rescue and redeem, but but weren't I don't know. I guess the real actions of the woman kind of works towards that end. Uh, no, it wasn't. And I love the way Jesus ends the conversation after he addresses Simon. 
he kind of seems like opens up the, to the whole audience, but he really wants the woman to hear because right. he turns to her and he says, your faith has saved you. Uh-huh. Now that's very important. He doesn't say your works have saved you. Right. Your your uh, actions of gratitude, the perfume, the tears, uh, those have somehow merited your salvation. No, very clearly he says um, your faith has saved you. Yes. Her actions were simply a response of gratitude. And again, wouldn't you love to know the backstory uh-huh. that perhaps Jesus has had prior um a prior encounter Uh with this woman and had forgiven her of her sins and now he's reiterating that in front of this crowd but it's very clear uh, her actions were a response to her salvation her faith was the source yes 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 so you you place the spotlight on on another verse Um, this time it was the thoughts of the apostle Paul writing to his charge, Titus, and uh, when he said, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. As, as you look at those facets of grace, and if you found yourself in the same room as Simon and this woman, what would you say to them? I would use these exact words. I, I think this mm. passage from Titus, John, is one of the most neglected passages in Scripture. Mm. Usually when we want to talk about justification or salvation, we go to Romans, we go to Galatians, mm-hmm. and poor Titus gets neglected. <laughs> This is one of the most concise statements of the gospel you will find anywhere. Wow. It's, it is the good news. Yes. It, it's the good, and, and really when you include the verses right above where you begin quoting, it talks about our dire situation that we're lost in sin. So this is a great, great passage of the gospel. And I would tell Simon and everybody else in the room, May I quote from the Apostle Paul? Yeah. This is the gospel, the good news, that God loves us, and he has the only solution to the bad news of our lost condition. Yeah. As a Pharisee, he would have known that that righteous were... I, I think maybe that's the tension, is that he should have known that righteous works were as filthy rags to God. He could not earn the mercy of God. Uh, but he just never was able to make that connection. Yeah, and the problem with the Pharisees, it, it's the same problem many people have today. They pick and choose which scriptures yeah. they want to believe. Uh-huh. And it's very quick, easy to read over some of those, especially if you're kind of in a works salvation mentality. Uh-huh. And that was the problem with the Pharisees. They, they were just so into being holy that they forgot that their holiness would not earn their salvation. Right, and of course it's just as dangerous to swing the other way, right? To just say, well, let's just not talk about sin. Let's just not talk about those things. Let's just talk about talk about the generosity of, of God who just kind of winks at our little little foibles yeah. unless they're really bad. Yeah, I mean, this, this goes back to Jesus' famous statement to the woman caught in adultery. 
Your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Go and sin no more. Yeah. There's both sides. Yes. Yeah. Your sins are forgiven. Wonderful grace of God. What's your response to keep on sinning? No. Go and sin no more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Rick. Rick. Some have said that uh, that our nation has never been more divided than right now. How do you think this parable or or this passage from Titus can be helpful to us? Very, very helpful. When when here in America, if we will just remember. We're all in the same boat spiritually. We are all lost in need of a Savior. We need to understand, and this parable teaches very clearly, comparisons, Sean, are irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Totally irrelevant. Uh, I I mentioned Sunday that the ground around the cross is level ground. No one stands above, no one stands below. So this parable attacks... the very core of pride, mm-hmm. of arrogance, of thinking that uh, my my race is better than your race, mm-hmm. that that my gender is better than your gender, uh, it, it really shows that we are all equal. Yeah. We're all equal uh, in America, yeah. and that should be foundational ground upon which we stand. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't help but think that this woman. Um, what this woman looked like after after her encounter with Jesus. You know, she's got red puffy eyes because, you know, she's just had the world's ugliest cry. Uh, her hair, which is the glory of a Jewish woman, matted and, and snotty and muddy and gross. And, and, and yet she and Jesus had this, this, because of the perfume. So the whole room and both of them were, there's this overpowering scent of this perfume. Does this give any clues about the worshipers the Father seeks? Oh, I think it does, Sean. The great message, when it come as you are, not as you should be. Ah, uh, yeah. So many people in our culture say, well, you know, as soon as I get my life together, as soon as I get my act together, as soon as I get out of this addiction or this habit or this whatever, you know, then, then I'll come to Jesus and I'll come back to church. It's exact opposite, Sean. Yeah. You come to Jesus as you are, and, and he will help you get your life back together. Yeah. It's so important that we understand that. Right, right. Jesus, um, you know, I, I know that a lot of us don't like getting all emotional or expressive in, in worship, but I, I wonder, isn't it actually appropriate, especially in gatherings for worship? Very appropriate, very appropriate. Uh, and again, it um, if we realize... Uh, we're all sinners. We're all in, in need of God's grace. That gets rid of the pretension, yeah. pretending that, well, I've got my act together and I clean up really nice on Sunday morning and I don't want to show my emotion or get too expressive. When you realize how much, how much Jesus has done for you, mm. how could you not be emotional? Yeah. I don't know. We all express our emotions in different ways, yeah. in different ways, but. Whatever way you express your emotion, that is very appropriate when Christians gather to worship. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesus made the point of admonishing Simon in front of his guest, and we talked about this already, but, but, I, but also honored the faith of this woman. And you made an important point that grateful deeds are, are like a gratitude thermometer. Uh, how do we make sure that we're raising the temperature of our gratitude? Sean, can I give a, our listeners a very simple 
idea. Sure. I mean, it's going to sound so simple. Some may kind of snicker at it and blow it off. But I'm telling you, it has greatly impacted my gratitude thermometer. Huh. When you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. before you get out of bed, literally while you're laying in bed, start saying thank you. <laughs> and, and you want to, this is how, I'll just tell people how I do it. Okay. okay. When I wake up in the morning, I say, thank you, God, that I have a bed. Thank Aww. you that I have a blanket and a pillow. Thank you that I have an air conditioner that's Aww. kept my house cool all night. Yeah. Thank you that when I go to the kitchen, there's going to be food in the pantry. Yeah. Thank you that I have a car to drive to a job that I have. And I just, I don't, I don't go for an hour. Yeah. But before I get out of bed, I just wake up saying thank you. What I've learned is, it, if you think of a thermometer, and you think of that, you know, the, the little red line inside a thermometer that goes up and down, that will raise your, your, your gratitude thermometer greatly. Yeah. Throughout the day, here's another idea. Just serve others joyfully, not grudgingly or complaining. Mm. Uh, just remember, if I complain, it doesn't count. <laughs> no stars in your crown if I gripe and complain while I'm serving somebody. I like to also, throughout the day, try to re- remember my condition BC uh, before Christ before came Christ. into my life. Yeah. And what that does for me, Sean, it, it, it puts me down where I need to be. Yeah. And I, I don't tend to look down on others. I don't, com- I don't compare. Uh, comparing just has to go. Yeah. If you're a believer, comparing has to go out the window. It will not work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those are excellent ideas. I, I love that. Just that simple discipline of, of gratitude. So that the, the moment your your first conscious thoughts are, are there, it's it's not just about what are the things that I have to do today or I'm obligated to do, but but maybe oh, I am so glad I made it through the night. And let me think about how wonderful my life already is. And I haven't even pulled the covers back. And I love that idea. Thank you, Rick. All right, another great message in the books, Rick. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Rick's Quote of the Week. All right, so what do you have for us, Rick? All right, this is a quote that I think is very important, very relevant and applicable to Simon Uh and to the sinful woman. Okay. And here it is. Though you cannot go back and make a brand new start, my friend, anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. Ooh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, why did you choose that one besides, you know, the story, obviously? Because it doesn't matter if you are the sinful woman in the story or Simon. Anywhere you are in life, you can make a brand new start. Yeah. And instead of looking at your past and letting that hold you back and paralyze you, you can say, you know, with the Lord Jesus forgiving me, I can make a brand new start right now where I'm at. Fantastic. Oh, well, Rick, what else is happening here at Grace? Well, this Sunday, Kingdom Secrets continues, and I'll give a warning right now. This Sunday, get ready to be offended. Okay. <laughs> you, you think Simon and the sinful woman offended you, the two uh-huh. debtors? Well, get ready for the vineyard workers. Workers, oh. The parable of the vineyard workers, it is in your face, slap you down, 
And that's why I've called it, I've entitled the message, The Scandal of Grace. Oh. And we're, it's scandalous, absolutely scandalous what Jesus is proposing. And uh, if you are not offended, you are a better person than I Yeah, or you're not paying attention. Woo, man. <laughs> hey, also, uh, we're excited. Our, our small groups of grace begin. They kick off this next week. Ah. And if you want to be a part of a small a group, just give us a call. And we'll get you connected in some way. Hey, I also want to just throw in a, a little thing, also involving small groups. Uh-huh. But our local community Bible study uh, group gets started uh, in a couple of weeks. But this coming Tuesday night at First Methodist Church, six o'clock, we have our annual pizza and salad info night. We'll Ooh. tell you about our study of the Gospel of John, a thirty-week study. Okay. But it involves small groups. You get to get in, in a small group. And discuss your lesson as we work our way through this incredible gospel. Wow, the gospel of John. Absolutely. Okay. So that's Info Night this Tuesday night, 6 o'clock at First Methodist Church down on 200 North Bend. Okay, so I'm putting you on the spot here. Why is the gospel of John an excellent gospel to really kind of dig into, especially if you're a new believer? Yeah, if if people want to know who is Jesus really? The Gospel of John will answer that question because in the prologue, he begins with giving all of these titles that apply to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then in chapters through, 2 through 12, he gives seven miracles, seven miracles that Jesus uh, performs. Yes. But John calls those signs. Ah. And they're signs pointing to who is this Jesus. Yeah. Then in chapters, th- I'm telling you more than you want to know. All right. <laughs> chapters 13 it's to 17, we go behind closed doors. And the final discourses, Jesus with his 12 tells them more of who he is. Yeah. And then the cross and the resurrection, they really tell us here is who Jesus is. Wow. If you've ever wondered, who is Jesus really? Yeah. The Gospel of John is the study for you. I appreciate that. Because I think that, that oftentimes people will think, well, if I just keep going to church, I'll pick up here and there. Why not spend some time? I mean, hey folks, you're going to die one of these days. Why don't you get to know at least one of the books of the Bible in a powerful way, and you're going to get some great teaching through CBS. Absolutely. Yeah. love to have people come out and join us. Awesome. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope that you've been encouraged and better informed. We love to get feedback, so send us an email with your comments and suggestions to info at roswellgrace.com. If you like what we're doing here at Living Your Dash, please hit the subscribe button, leave us a review on your platform, and share this with your friends. For more information about Grace Community Church, please point your browser to roswellgrace.com. Until next time, I'm Marie, and this is Living Your Dash.